This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hey, this is John Lynch, 49ers GM and Pro Football Hall of Famer, and you're listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest 4-2. Welcome to another holiday edition of the I Test for Two, where it is good to be in Tampa if you play golf or if you like free meals at PDQ. But it's not if you're a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. And Ira, you live there, you cover the team. And Ian, you live there, you follow the team. So there's a lot of speculation, guys, about what's wrong with this year's Bucks. And I know what's wrong. They're unwatchable. You guys are smart people. So, Ira. What is wrong? Well, I don't know if Ian will agree with me, but uh, the guy that seems to be getting absolved of of almost all the blame is the guy under center, Clark. Uh, fans, I think, are very hesitant to take any pot shots at all with the GOAT, um, who's not playing particularly well, Clark. He didn't play well against no. the Niners. Now, Dan Fran might have the best defense in football. Um, but the coaching staff, Clark, is clearly in the crosshairs. And the question is, what do the Glazers think? Um, are they going to try to keep Brady in 2023? Change the coaching staff with a lot of Brady's input? Clark, in my opinion, it, it, it might be time to move on, uh, get younger, get faster. And you know what? Develop your own young quarterback like a lot of teams are doing, Clark. The Bucks don't do that. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, Ira. Just from cut to the quick, guys. Uh, I once assumed that the Bucks win that division. I assumed that they would win it in a walk. I assume nothing anymore. So, Ira, uh, will they win the division? And if they do, can they or will they win a playoff game? Clark, I'm, I'm totally with you. Um, they have a one-game lead. However, the, the Panthers, yes, the Panthers, Clark, with Steve Wilkes, with a dramatic turnaround, Clark, if they if they win out, they they will win the division, and there's nothing the Bucks can do about it. Now, one of those games is January first at Raymond James Stadium. Clark, let's be honest. I don't think Ian could disagree. Right now, Carolina is playing better football than the Buccaneers, and that's just a fact. I wouldn't want that game to be a winner take all, Clark. I don't care if the game's in Tampa or not. I don't have a lot of confidence. In this team right now. So, Ira, I know you're in touch with front of the show, Bruce Arians. I mean, what does he have to say about all this? What's his role in it? It seems like he's awfully quiet during these times. I realize that's probably what he should be doing. But it must be driving him crazy to watch what's going on. You know, that's the million-dollar question, Clark. Because, you know, he wanted Bowles to succeed him. Yeah. And he wants nothing more than left which to get a job. Uh, as a head coach, and uh, that seems like a pipe dream right now. Um, Tom Arians, I, I got to get my hands dirty uh, right now. I can't worry about stepping on uh, Bowles' uh, feet. Um, I got to get in there and and, and uh, make some uh, key suggestions about this offense because otherwise no, nobody nobody's going anywhere from this team, and Bowles is going to be in a little bit of danger himself. Clark, I don't care if it's a one-year deal. Okay, guys, let's move on to better things and that's the pro football hall of fame's class of 2023 now as you know there are 28 semifinalists, and we have one of them 
with us today. That would be right guard and first-year candidate Jari Evans, who was a four-time first-team All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler, and Ira, that was a six-time consecutive Pro Bowler, All-Decade Choice, Super Bowl champion, and a member of the Saints Hall of Fame and the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Jari, first of all, so great credentials, great resume. Congratulations on being chosen as one of the semifinalists, and thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's um, it's been awesome, you know, back into the year with all this stuff coming out, and uh, it feels like I'm back in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Jari, uh, I'm going to ask you about your uh, humble beginnings. Um, Bloomsburg, not exactly a, a college power, Division Two. Jari, when you were a senior um, and you were getting some accolades and you were up for the Gene Upshaw Award, um, Jari, if I would have told you that the next year you would have been starting in the National Football League at right guard, and I think you played all 16 games, um, Jari, you would have said I was crazy. Am I wrong? Um, Not exactly. You know, I was always a confident player. Um, You know, I I didn't – I wouldn't say I didn't think that I would have as much success as we as I did, but I knew how hard I worked. And once I went to that Las Vegas All-Star game and played against some D1 talent, um, I, I knew that if I continued to work hard and get better, that I could be a good player. Now, I'm still a little bit upset I didn't win that Gene Upshaw Award, but it's, it's hard okay. for all to win that in D2, I think. And the Divas have won it. You know, their school is pretty big and has guys in the NFL. But, you know, I think credit to that first season goes to just my own line coach and Doug Marone, who, you know, he's one of the best in the game at that in that position. And, you know, my teammates, you know, having that's like, you know, John Stinkcomb, that right tackle, who, who's, who's an excellent guy, very smart. And then uh, Jeff Fain at center, you know, being be on either side of me, you know, really helped me my rookie year. And then also Jamar Nesbitt, you know, working with him. He was an eight-year vet just working with him. And those guys really helped me along the way to um, to become a good pro. Jari, I want to ask you about the mentality of the interior offensive line for those years in New Orleans with Drew Brees. Jari, I don't have to remind you that uh, every defensive coordinator always used to say, we got to get pressure up the middle on Drew Brees. He's small. He can't see. We got to get him off the spot. Darren, they all talked about it, but nobody could do it. Uh, so <laughs> tell me about tell me about the the pride that you three interior guys took in, in, in keeping uh, Brees clean all, all those years. Yeah, you know, you think it kind of started with the run game in those first two years, 06 and 07. You know, we went to the FC Championship in 06. We ran the ball well with Deuce and Reggie and then added Pierre to it. Um, but but mainly, you know, we knew Drew where he was going to set it up, so did everybody else. And we knew that to have success, we needed to keep guys on the line of scrimmage. So we practiced that. We made sure we knew who we were blocking. And then – you know, when Coach Chrome came came into effect, we start doing some things a little bit differently, um, throwing the ball a little bit more. But also, you know, he brought in other coaches to teach different techniques. You know, Jim McNally came in during our our pre, you know, our training camp, and um, and uh, Coach Mud came in during our training camp and learned how to do some aggressive settings, some jump setting. 
and things of that nature. So, you know, basically just, just being stout, being strong. And, and Carl Nix is one of the biggest, strongest, fastest men I've, I've played with to move at that size. And, and he was just naturally strong, way stronger than me. I wasn't weight group strong, but I played with good leverage. I use my hands a lot to stop guys from, from getting forward in their steps, you know, first two steps. And I just um, and I just studied a lot. And we, we beat people before the ball was snapped, and then we beat them up during the play <laughs> and then talked back. <laughs> We're speaking with Hall of Fame semifinalist Jari Evans on the eye test for two. And uh, Jari, I listed a lot of accomplishments when I introduced you, but I didn't mention your longevity. <laughs> You yep. missed only nine games in, in a 12-year career, and you once had a streak, I think, of 122 consecutive games. That includes the playoffs. I, my question is, to what do you attribute your longevity, and, and where does that rank among your career accomplishments? Um, it ranks high among my career accomplishments. I think back in high school, you know, not playing my senior year because I, I fractured my knee, right below my patella uh, playing basketball and had three pins and a screw in there, two surgeries, one to put the hardware in, one to take the hardware out. And then in college, broke my ankle, um, had a plate and eight screws in there, but made it back for spring ball. Um, it was next to the last game of the season and still made it back for spring ball. So, you know, I think, you know, my exercise science background and my bachelor kind of helped always knowing how to communicate with the trainers, knowing how to communicate with the doctors with my film, um, having that of communication, but then also how I prepared during the offseason, um, who I trained with. I, you know, one of my guys here, I have a 24-hour gym here. I train guys now, but one of my business partners is Julius King. He, he has his master's in kinesiology, also a Bloomsburg grad. He worked with LA Fitness and Velocity before we opened, you know, all fitness. And the way we train going into training camp kind of helped, you know, me stay healthy, help, you know, me go out there and do the things that I did great. And always think about position and, and and being available for my team, and then just just body maintenance, taking care of your body before practice, after practice, making sure you're doing your stuff outside the building with your chiropractor, your acupuncturist, and all those things. So, you know, just body maintenance, understanding your body, and then understanding what positions on the field that can get you hurt. <laughs> well, Ira earlier mentioned uh, how effective your interior line was in protecting Drew Brees, and you guys were. A lot of people out there, including some Hall of Fame voters, really don't understand how important guard play is or what guards have to do. And I guess my question to you would be, how do you measure that position? How do you measure guards? And what do you think is the most meaningful or significant quality for someone to have at that position? Man, that's a, um, that's a good question. You know, I think that offensive line you get so many different body types with the five guys up front you know that you really have to coach those body types and those abilities and now you're seeing I was just talking to my guy today in the gym you know you don't see those traditional three four teams you know with the big slugs at end and the nose guards so the defensive line body types have changed even as well but the one thing that I pride myself and, and my teammates on doing is that we were effective in the run game we were effective in pass protection we were effective in the screen game. And I don't think that there's many guards in NFL history that could do all three the way that we did at the level that we did against the defensive linemen that we face. You always said guys get bigger, faster, stronger. And you're kind of seeing that even more 
now on the pass rushing three techniques. You don't see the big guys up front. So, you know, I, I just take pride on how effective, you know, and efficient our quarterback was. Um, our running backs were in pass protection and in the run game and also in the screen game. And, you know, pulling, you know, also I pulled to the left and I pulled to the right. If you look at Green Bay, my last year in 17, I, I was I was still running power pulling, <laughs> you know, in year 12. I, mean, I still think I had a couple more years to play, but, you know, we won't get into that. But, um, but yeah, I, I just think I did at a high level for a very long time and, and being healthy was, was definitely, uh, you know, aided that and, and, and helped me out for sure. Gary, you, you played against a, a lot of good interior defensive linemen in your career. I'm going to ask you about one in particular because, Jari, he's also on the ballot as a yeah. semifinalist, and, and that's Vince Woolfork. Um, yeah, you know, Richard, C- Richard Seymour's already in, and here comes Woolfork. Uh, great New England defenses. Uh, what kind of challenge did he uh, represent, Jari? Man, just, you know, low center of gravity, very strong. Um, and, you know, because he was so low and – he kept his body away from you. You know, it didn't matter that his arms weren't very long. You know what I mean? He just, he just played that technique and was very hard to move. You know, I put him on a category like playing against Sam Adams, you know, when he was with the Browns my first year and blocking down on him in a, in the power game on the goal line, you know, it's like, you're not getting movement on those guys. You got to shield those guys, (laughs) you know, but then also learning how to be able to know where his strengths and his weaknesses are. You know, he's not really going to edge you. He's going to try to play more of a power game and push the pocket on you. So, you know, what techniques could I use to, to try to neutralize, you know, his strengths. But uh, Vince was a big guy. did it for a long time. One of the things I, I like about Vince is, is how we practice together in those joint practices, you know, understanding what we're trying to get out of those things and working together with each other. Him and my, my good buddy draft, draft mate, Rob Minkovich, you know, they won a lot of games over there in New England, but we always practice well against each other, especially O-line and D-line drills to make sure that both sides, you know, got, got what they needed out of it. Gary, I want to ask you about uh, the confidence that you developed. Uh, you know, here you got Breeze, you got Sean Payton orchestrating everything. Um, you led the league, Gary, in, in scoring in 08, 09. You're always in the top five. In uh, scoring and total yards, uh, they use the word swagger, Jerry. They throw it around all the time. But you got to be honest with me. Y- your team, when it came to offense, you came into every game, no matter who you were playing, with a lot of swagger that you were going to put points on that board. Yeah, yeah. That that came from you know from the top man down. That came from Coach Payton. That came from Drew Brees. That came from Pete Carmichael. You know our other coaches. You know, Coach CJ, wide receiver coach, he, he a lot of swagger over there. So, um, you know, it, it it came from Coach Payton. I think he showed that swagger on game day. People saw it. But he had that same confidence and swagger in the meetings. You know, Drew Brees had that same confidence and swagger in film study, knowing, you know, that when we, when we see something, we're not going to miss it. We get one chance to execute it. We're going to make sure that we all know what we need to do and go out there and get it done. We're going to trust in each other. You know, that swagger was also big trust. You know, it was big trust in the guy next to you. Big trust and believe that what he says is what we see. You know, getting everybody on the same page. You know, that swagger came, you know, pre-snap, getting up to the ball in 15 seconds, making sure that we can assess what the defense is trying to do. 
and neutralize that and go out there and execute. So we have swagger in our preparation and, and it led to our, you know, swagger on the field and winning games. Jari, and we're speaking with Jari Evans, semifinalist for the Hall of Fame's class of 2023. But Jari, what made Sean Payton so special? When you came in the league, you guys went straight to the playoffs. And I think that team had been to the playoffs like five times in the previous 39 years. You went straight to the playoffs and you kept going back to the playoffs and you won the Super Bowl in 2010, I think it was. Um, but what made him special? Do you expect to see him coach again? And if you do, where? Yeah, I definitely expect to see him coach again. Um, the one thing I, I go back and think about what made him special was was just how we always look to get better. Ongoing skill development, you know, the staff that he had. Um, you know, our linebacker coach, Coach Bitt, you know, he's around for a long time. You know, he, he tells us stories dating back to the 70s about teams and guys and preparation and what we need to do to win. And then the type of – the type of people that they brought into the building, you know, knowing that we needed high quality guys that loved the game, that wanted to play the game at a high level, and then always adding to the playbook. You know, you would see him working with the receivers a lot, working with the QBs a lot. He, you know, what do you see here? This is how you should run this route. You should you should do these things in your footwork to get open. This is what Drew sees. And understanding how to communicate, you know, to the offensive line and protections, you know, who's coming. Um, I always saw Coach Payton out there playing those games at quarterback. He used to play quarterback in, in college, and I think he was part of the scab, like a scab, scab team, in the, you know, with the Bears or something. So you could see that in his preparation. It actually, in his conversation with Drew, you know, he he saw himself out there playing the game, and he approached that and how he taught certain schemes and routes and concepts and what we're trying to. Uh, to do out there and how we're trying to beat corners and safeties and, and then let us, you know, let the quarterback communicate up front how to get into the protections. And that, and we started doing that as players, having great communication with each other on the sideline, um, always addressing issues, never waiting for them to come. And then just, you know, having certain times and having that niche when to call certain plays, you know, that, that that's all him, man, calling certain plays in certain situations. But, he would tell us when he was looking to call him so it wouldn't be a surprise on game day. And, and that's important. I always feel like you should give the players as much as they can handle. Don't try to, you know, handicap them thinking they can only handle a certain amount of stuff. So and he never did that. And I do think that he'll be back in the, the game. I think he loves loves football, loves coaching it. And, um, and, and more importantly, just, just loves to win. Well, most of our listeners, if not all, know that you played virtually your entire career with Drew Brees, but maybe they don't know that you spent your last year in Green Bay. So that would mean Aaron Rodgers. So here comes the loaded question. You got one of them to choose for your next franchise, Brees or Aaron Rodgers? Who are you taking and why? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to take Drew Brees. Uh, spent more time with him, so I know a little bit more with, about him. Aaron is an awesome, awesome arm talent, can do things that nobody else can do. And I'm going to take Drew Brees because we won a Super Bowl, and that's my guy, and we put up numbers. <laughs> we put up numbers. So, And uh, and uh, that's my guy. He went off the field. Got a lot of time to spend together. And and, and, and and Aaron is a great guy, too. I think he gets a bad rep with how he's portrayed in the media. But Aaron, <laughs> He but also won. He won a Super Bowl, too. <laughs> <laughs> 
And Aaron prepares very similar, you know. He communicates with with the with his receivers. Um, some would think we were doing, you know, the test that they were doing in front of the whole front of the whole team before the game, making sure that they knew that they was on their stuff. You know, it was it was big time communication there. But uh, but Aaron's a great he's a great player, and um, and uh, I wish I had more, you know, spent play more years with Aaron as well. I got two more for you, Jerry. Thanks for so much for doing this, taking the time. Jari, 2009 season, put a big smile on your face right now. I can see it. Um, but you know what? It, it was a kind of a funky year because, Jari, the next thing you know, you're 13-0. and zero, yeah. and, and the 72 Dolphins are getting mighty nervous uh, about the Saints. Um, and then I believe it was a Saturday night game, and here come the Cowboys into the Superdome. Saints are favored. And um, – you know, you, you got beat. Tony Romo did a good job. DeMarcus Ware got you. Jerry, not you, but he got the Saints. Two sacks and two fumbles from Breeze. Uh, what do you remember about that game and the fact that I think you lost the final three games of the year? Uh, and so what was your mindset going into the playoffs after that loss? You know, I, I, it was it was a little struggle about resting guys, not resting guys. Um, but, you know, as office alignment, you don't have the numbers to rest guys, right? And I think Bushrod had, had an ankle injury or some kind of injury. And, and you're going up against a premier rusher. Like you said, he, he just got us. He got us. And um, and then once, once we lost that game, I think we kind of went into, okay, prepare for the playoffs. We, you know, we got all our home games in the playoffs, but let's not – you know, that's relax, but not get lax. And, um, and yeah, and I think we're the only team in NFL history to lose our last three games and go on and win all the way to the Super Bowl. So, you know, the good thing about it was we was able to refocus, understanding that we know how to win. We just won 13 in a row, and we need to go get one, go get two, go get three, and then we'll be in this thing and, and uh, with a chance to win it. And that's what we did. Last one for me, Jari. I know you still bleed Saints. I know it. Um, yep. and, uh, and you love the town and you love the franchise and I'm here in Tampa and, you know, the Bucks are six and seven, but they'll probably win the division. And Jerry, what, what is going on in new Orleans? Um, do they need a quarterback going forward? Um, do they, uh, do they have to tear the whole thing down? Uh, what, what's your feeling about the saints? Yeah, I don't think they have to tear the whole thing down. I was there in training camp, you know, with the uh, Bill Walsh internship down there. Um, Coach Marone is back. He was there at the original. Zach Streif is, is coaching no line with him. They're doing a great job. You know, Pete Carmichael is still there. And, and D.A. was there from the beginning as well in 06. So I just think that they just have injuries, especially on the offensive side of things. And it's just the transition from Coach Payton and the Drew Brees area. I mean, you, you think that that's not an easy thing to do. Um, so, they just have to, you know, refocus. The defense is playing well. They're keeping those guys in games. They just got to get healthy. It's good to see the young left tackle back out there and um, and uh, and pinning. And I think he's going to be a good player. And uh, they just got to get healthy and stop turning the ball over in the offense and find a way to get in the end zone. So, but the NFC South is still up for grabs. I think. I don't. I think only one. Everyone is. Charlie, what, what do you see a quarterback for the Saints going forward? Going forward. I no, I, I like – I thought Jameis, you know, could be the starter throughout the year. I guess he got hurt, and now they're transitioning to Andy Dalton. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I, I was with uh, – oh, man, 
number seven. I was with them in Green Bay before Coach Payton picked him up. Um, oh, uh, goodness gracious, can't think of his name right now. Jason Hill. Yeah, yeah. I was with him in Green Bay, and I think he's a, he's one of the toughest guys to stop at what he can do. So it, it just matters if you're going to, you know, if you're going to re-sign one of those two guys, and, and Andy Dalton or, or Jameis Winston, or you're going to go in the draft and, and get a young guy, you know, like a guy from Alabama or somebody else, or trade for a, a, a guy. I don't know. I think both of those guys want to last year their contracts. I think they're free agents after this season. Um, but, you know, you just have to – Get a guy that fits what you're trying to do offensively, and I think they're still trying to they're still trying to do the same things that Drew did, and the way that Drew won was his pre-snap reads, diagnosing defenses, pre-snap everybody being on the same page, and delivering the ball. So you find that guy that can do those things, and I think that offense will will continue to have success the way it did prior. Maybe you could just get Tom Brady to talk to Drew Brees and get him to out of retirement. <laughs> Um, I've got a couple last ones for you too, Jari. One is, um, what what do you think makes a Hall of Fame guard? And, and is there anyone at that position, past, present, whatever, that you put on a pedestal that you look at him and say, now there's the definition of a Hall of Fame guard? Yeah. Um, Outside you know, of yourself, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I talk about this a lot, and I think the game has changed. I think it's very difficult to compare a guard like myself in the passing era that we did with the quarterback that threw for 5,000 yards like five times to a guy like Jerry Kramer who won Super Bowl one and two where they were running the ball, you know, to the marketing area when they, you know, they start passing the ball more to now, you know, into a 17-game season. Like, you know, I think it's very difficult to compare those eras because those guards were asked to do different things. Some of those guards were 260 pounds. I played at 330, <laughs> you know. So um, it, it, it's just – it's difficult to, to, to kind of compare those eras. But I, I understand that it's a position that wasn't valued as much as a center and a tackle. But, you know, I think you just have to look at the production and look at the plays, look at the scheme. And that's difficult to do because schemes and productions change. So – but I think you have to be honest about that and see where it fits. And, and hopefully, you know, more than two offensive linemen go in a year because that's tough. Yeah, to right. Guard right. And they're in the tackle, to, you know, to, to decide who goes in. But, you know, it, it needs to be kept at a, at, a, at a status that it's not easy to get in, and I understand that. Um, I do think and believe that I'm one of the best, if not the best guard that can do all those things, pass run game and be in the screen game pull to the right in the run game pull to the left in the pass game pull to the left in the run game as well so I think that I did do all those things well whether there was a, a, you know a quarterback dot in the center and a running back dot in the center two in the shotgun in the run game or in the pass game so you know the film is out there I always say the eye in the sky don't lie so you know I guess we can films <laughs> yeah that's right well well then just to follow up on that comment um is there something about you that voters hall of fame voters should know that you don't think they really do um i never been 400 pounds before on the <laughs> <laughs> and I was 25 times at, but i did every exercise of the combine because there was no bloomsburg pro day right so Right. Um, I don't think that's going to make the presentation. <laughs> and and I guess the last thing for you, Jari, would be, um, I, I asked you earlier about Vince Wilford, but is there one defensive 
lineman who gave you fits? Is there one who you said, uh-oh, I mean, I, I got to bring my A game today because this guy is going to be trouble? Yeah, you know, I'm going to give you two because they're two different types, and I played these guys two different ways. So Gerald McCoy is the best three technique that had the best get-off that I played against consistently for 10-plus years. I mean, it was very difficult to block that wide 4 I 3 technique in the run game and then also – you know, in the passing game, trying to kick to him. Um, and then I think about Holodi Nada being 350, different body type, just trying to bull rush you. You're not going to get the edge by Holodi. He's not going to do big pass rush moves, but he's going to try to get three steps in the ground and put you on your back. And um, those are, you know, two guys. But I also played against Hall of Famer Brian Young his last year yep. as well. And guys, but, but those are the two kind of body type guys that were different that – that could create big, big problems for you. Jerry, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks so much for the time and, and best of luck with the votes coming up in January, early January, but uh, we'll look forward to seeing your name on the list. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks. You Jack. got it. That was Jari Evans and who he's one of uh, 28 semifinals for the hall of fame's class of 2023. And our, first of all, I, I got to like his confidence. Um, it's really good to hear someone come out and say, this is why I think I belong. He was a terrific player at, unfortunately, that's a position, you know, that we tend to overlook. I mean, the best I think I've seen in, in my tenure there, the, on the board was, uh, Will Shields. He played 14 years, 12 of those 14 years. He was a pro bowler, seven time all pro. And I don't think he ever missed a game. And then I think I remember from the presentation, he didn't miss a practice. It took him four times as a finalist to get in. That's a tremendous point, Clark. You and I have talked about Will Shields, and we both looked at each other and we said, boy, we've been on this panel a long time. This guy yeah. might he might have the fewest blemishes of any candidate we've ever seen. And you would think he would sail through as a first-timer, and it didn't happen, Clark. Guards are tough. But, you know, Fanica got in. Hutchinson got in. Larry Allen got in. Will yes, Shields right. got in. Yeah. Uh, Clark, I, I checked off Jari Evans' name. He, he He's on my list. A, a, a finalist. Will he get there? I don't know. But as you said, making semifinal in your first year, quite an accomplishment. I looked over your shoulder. I, I, I put him on my list, too. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What am I hearing over here, Clark? Am I hearing something? Uh, yeah. Fans are going wild. They're going wild. And <laughs> I don't think they're going wild for Jari Evans. I think they're going wild because... You forgot to introduce me, Rats, but I was there. <laughs> I saw the just, just, um, that, I, the reason, where, where, where were you and, and why were you I there? I was in Buffalo. And, and the reason I want to mention Buffalo is because there's a cold weather game coming up on Saturday, right? In Buffalo, they're saying it's going to snow. And I see what uh, two of the Miami Dolphins are there, two of Tiger Laboa said. Um, yeah, it snows in Alabama. Well, Ian's from the Northeast. <laughs> he can tell you. You're from New York. <laughs> you can tell Tua. It may snow in Alabama, but it ends snow in Alabama like it snows in Buffalo. That wind coming off of Lake Erie. So I was there on December 23rd, 2007, when the New York Giants played there. They had to win the game to get in the playoffs. Sorry, Ian. They had to win the game to get in the playoffs. Ian's a frustrated Patriots fan. That was the year, of course, that the Giants were in the Patriots season. But anyway, they go into Buffalo. And I woke up that morning and went, hallelujah, it was 50 degrees. On the 23rd of December, 50 degrees. I went, it's going to be great to be at the game. 
That's an early Christmas present, baby. Early Christmas present. Look at the forecast and I go, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. The wind is coming off of Lake Erie. This is going to be trouble. By the middle of the game, it had dropped into the low 30s, then into the 20s. It was a freezing rain. Then it was a frigid rain. Then it became snow and the wind gusts were 50 miles an hour. The teams only scored on one end of the field. They never went against the wind and scored. Never. And the Giants ended up winning. Sorry, Leon. So because they got into the playoffs, but they ended up winning that game 38 to 21. And Ira, testimony to how bad the conditions were. The Giants ran 47 times for 291 yards that game. And yeah, they qualified for the playoffs. You know what happened about that. But the next day is Christmas Eve. I got to fly home. And I'm flying back to New York City. It's snowing. And I went, I don't believe it. I'm not going to make it. The New York Giants beat riders rented cars so they could go home. They drove home. And that's a hike. But they drove home. And I thought, how do I tell my wife? And, and my, my daughter, my daughter's three. How do I tell her that dad's not coming home for Christmas, you know? And so I go to the airport. And I'm sitting there. And I'm looking outside. And I went, there is no way. And the pilot comes by. And I said, excuse me, the pilot? And he goes, yeah. I said, for this flight? Yeah. And I said, are we getting out of here? He goes, getting out of here? This is nothing. Are you kidding me? Nothing. <laughs> those guys, those guys have got onions the size of the Astrodome. Clark, this is a whole Mark movie you just described. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I made it home for Christmas. I made it home for Christmas. Thanks to the pilots. Anyway, Ira, you Clark, got any final thoughts when for you this were week? In the press box, Clark, when you were in the press box in the third quarter, fourth quarter, yeah. Could, could you see the yard lines? Could you see the, uh, the change yeah, oh yeah. or anything? Yeah, you could. I mean, it was, it was a, the, the snow has come down a 45 degree angle, but it wasn't a heavy snow. It was sort of a mix of snow and rain. It was just nasty condition. You've been to Buffalo before. Um, and so you go, God almighty, I can't even go to the anchor bar after this thing. I mean, it's, it's so bad. I'm going back to my hotel room. It was, the wind was really, really strong. And as I said, the next day I thought, if the snow doesn't get us, the wind will. We're not getting out of here. But sure enough, I'll never forget, we go up and we're above the clouds. I thought, holy smokes. And the next thing I know, we come down below the clouds. I went, my God, what is that? It's LaGuardia Airport. We got out of the clouds at about, I don't know, 500 feet or something. Went, holy smokes. (laughs) This is brutal. So, yeah, it was was an event. How did the Giants score 38 points, Clark, in that weather? What happened? Ground and pound, my friend. All they did was run, run, run. And they did. They, they, they ran effectively. So, um, yeah, and then they ran the Patriots out of the playoffs. Sorry. Ian. Okay, Ira, you got final thoughts for this week? Well, my final thought is um, I will be at, at Ray J uh, on Sunday uh, with the My Bucks condolences. My and, condolences. Uh, Clark, a uh, few teams, if any, are, are playing better than Cincinnati yeah. right now. A few yeah. teams. Maybe the Niners. Maybe. Um, and, Eagles. Um, Eagles, of course, and um, I just don't think uh, I just don't think the Bucks can beat Joe Burrow at this point. Joe Burrow, you know, he's not going to win the MVP, but he's going to be, you know, he, he, he's top five. He's, he's top absolutely five. should be included. Hey, by the way, I know you do those um, games that are at remote locations. I'm talking about away games from a, a bar in, in, in uh, Tampa, right? Uh, yeah, and I get an appearance fee for it. Yeah, Clark. okay. Yeah. Well, how how angry are the fans there? Uh, well, one of them threw, uh, threw, threw, threw some craft beer in my face because oh, uh, was... I, I, I was saying uh, I was cheering on the Bucks, and he said, it's, it's over, Ira. It, it's over. Clark, one quick personal note. Clark, you love these. Today's my wife's birthday. 
So I'm taking him out for a nice dinner. Uh, Now, we had a thunderstorm just come through. So, Clark, I had something scheduled for today. I changed it to yesterday, and we ended up doing it. Nice weather. Clark, we went snorkeling with the manatees. Oh, you did? Wow. With the manatees in Crystal River. I see. They're going to start listing them as endangered again, right? Yeah, uh, 72-degree water. Oh, uh, we had a wet suit on. Now, Clark, when we got there, we, we saw more than I thought we would. And the first one popped his head up and said, what the hell's going on with Brady? <laughs> <laughs> I love manatees. And you know what? When we go to Tampa, we always go to the zoo there, and they've got manatees. It's a great Beautiful. exhibit. Great exhibit. Come on yeah, down, I love it. Clark. We, I miss you down here. I miss you. Come on down. No, you don't. You know, I, I haven't yeah, seen I that. You, I took you to man. breakfast. Clark, I took you to breakfast you did, now. Come you on. Did. Uh, I just would want to mention, by the way, on this day in history, and I'm talking about December 15th, 2002. You have any idea what happened? No, no. 15th, 2002. It was the Buck Championship season. It was the that. championship season. It had nothing to do with the Bucks, but it had everything to do with Marvin Harrison, who's a Hall of Famer. He had nine catches that day, and he set the NFL record then for 143 receptions in one season. That lasted until 2019 when... Michael Thomas Michael broken. Thomas. Yeah, 149. Anyway, that's going to do it. Um, if you'd like to listen to this or any I Test for Two podcast, you know what? You can do that, too. Just go to our website, itestfor2.com, or if you prefer, you go to fullpresscoverage.com. We're there at both places. And if you don't want to do that, just tune in next week for the Christmas edition. Yes, the Christmas edition of the I Test for Two, when Ira is going to give Ian and me, hopefully, a Christmas gift. Maybe we can get Chevy Chase on for, uh, you know, the uh, National Influence Christmas thing. You, you never know, Clark. You never know. That sounds good. Hey, Ira, by the way, that's your assignment this week. Get Chevy, and we'll uh, listen to you next week. Thanks so much yeah. for listening. <laughs>